Chieftain Roll Call. I'm Bill Tipple with Rick Reed, who's one of the Belfound assistant football coaches, and Jack Varner, who's the starting center for the Belfound football team. And each week we come to you from the WBCS studio. Our show is put together by the Chieftain Backers, which is a new club at Belfound High School. $20 gets you into all the home sporting events throughout the school year. And our sponsor, which was the same as last school year, is Eastern Water Solutions. Later on today, we'll be joined by Jeremy Card, the Belfound Band Director. They're in the midst of competition season. They had their band spectacular last month as well. But first, guys, let's talk football. The Chiefs coming off what I think is their biggest split of the year. Jonathan Alder, a team that uh, beat Belfound the last three years. That was not the case last Friday. The Chiefs won 27-7. It was 7-7 at the half, and Belfound really controlled the second half to move to 7-1. and Coach Reed, congrats on the win. Thanks. Yeah, it's... It's good to be able to go in to the half struggling. Not that it's good to be struggling at half, but when you do, it's because it's going to happen against decent football teams. And um, stay composed, come back out in the second half, and, and show improvement. That's big as we move through the end of this season. Now, you're the offensive line coach, and uh, I thought the offensive line in the first half was okay. There were some struggles, I think, second quarter. But, boy, I thought after the half, they really played some strong football, and they, as Coach Brown would say, imposed their will. What – what did you see out of your group? Yeah, I mean, they gave us some fits uh, matchup-wise. They had some nice players uh, inside. We've seen several straight weeks now of some good D-lines with Tecumseh, Shawnee, and now Alder. Uh, you know, the run game, we just were getting beat a little bit and didn't think we were able to have our best run fits. And then in the pass game, I felt like we had adjusted our pass pro to Shawnee two weeks ago. We talked about that last week with to deal with some of their overload stuff. And I don't think we did a great job of turning the page um, to what we needed to do against Alder and able to identify at halftime what our issue was. It really wasn't too complicated. We made a fix with our H-back, Landon Kelly and Hayden Manns. Um, they were able to work with Jack and, and basically split the, split the protection uh, on each side. And, and once we did that, really, I don't think they got after Tavian at all after that. First half, they got after him some. It wasn't horrible, but he was certainly feeling it, and I don't think anybody on offense was playing particularly well. We got that fixed, and, and certainly once you fix your pro, everything gets easier after that. Was it a tough game to play after such a big win and big game at Springfield, Shawnee? I don't think so. I mean, I don't play, but uh, no. I mean, I, I, think, I think that's a little overrated. Um, I think they're all big games, especially Alder's a team we talked about last week. I mean, they had, they had our full attention. They're, they're a good football team. They do a lot of things really well, and they're a good program. They've beaten us the last three years. So, no, there was, it was nothing like that. It's just it's not easy. And when you play good football teams, and I, I think we're better than Alder, but obviously we're better in the second half. But just because you're better than someone doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Uh, certainly if you're not way better. I think Alder has some really talented players that would certainly play for us. Um, so that's just that's sports. I mean, it happens at high school. It happens in college. It happens in the pros. That the teams will fight. And they came in with great spirit. I thought they played hard. I thought their defense got after us. And, um, you know, I thought defensively we played well the whole night. That was pretty much consistent from the word go. Um, you know, we gave up that touchdown early, and after that it was um, – but we put our defense in a bad spot, right? Didn't we turn the ball over yeah. there on the first drive? So that's – not that you accept that, but that's a that's a touchdown with an asterisk for Alder, and then we shut them out the rest of the night and played pretty good special teams. I told you before the show I thought our kickoff, you know, which I coach, had, had a rough week against Shawnee, and we really challenged them. I personally challenged them, and we kept them inside the 30 all night, and that's so big against a team that can run the ball like they can. 
big of a win was it for, for you and the players? I want to have you put it in your words, what it was like Friday night, you know, 9.30 at night after the game ended, just what it felt like to be a Chief. It's big. Yeah, it's, um, you know, they're all big, but it's a bigger one. That's a team, like I said, you know, they're a good football team. They, they're well coached, and um, they've beaten us, and we know that, you know, we're trying to do something above and beyond. We've already had a good season, and but we're trying to reach for something higher. And, um, you know, Coach Brown used the old buzzword, raise the standard. We're trying to – we're trying to win this thing. Number one, we want to win this league. We want to win it by ourselves. It's been since 2018, I think. We won it tied in 2019, I think. Those tied, I hate those ties in, in 16 leagues. I mean, that doesn't feel great. But we want to win this thing outright. We certainly haven't won it since the league got tougher. We haven't won it with London yet, right? Um, no. I don't think so. I don't think we've won a league since London showed up. So this is a new league. It's a tougher league than a few years ago. We had those league titles there, you know, in the late 2000 teens. And I'm proud of those teams, but that wasn't the same league. I mean, this is Jonathan Alder, London, a good Shawnee program, a much improved Tecumseh team as a program. Tecumseh's better. KR's struggling a little bit, but they're, they're not exactly a pushover. We want to get that league title, and we want to get into the playoffs, and we want a high seed. We want to host one, if not really two games, and let's win as many as humanly possible. Turn our attention to one of the players. Jack Barner, starting center. Congrats on last week's win. First Thank you. I know you said you you were excited to play this game. It was senior yeah. night. I know you're a junior, but I think you said that the seniors had not won yeah. the previous three years. Felt uh, so. You know, it's a big deal. And Alder is good. They yeah. do, oh, they yeah. do things well. They're very physical. They have the best running back. I think the Chiefs have faced this year. I don't know what record Jack would say, but Cameron Jewell is very, mm -hmm. very, very good. So you know, from a player's perspective, what was last week like? It was a big win. It was a it was really good to feel like we dominated in the second half a team like that because um, they are a really good team. Um, you know, look at their other games and you can tell. You know, they're not uh, they're not an average team. They're they're a really good team. So it kind of showed us where we're at and where what what we can be if we put the work in. And it yeah, it definitely felt good to beat those guys after the last three years. Well, specifically offensive line play, mm -hmm. Jack. That's that's your baby, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, in the first half, it was okay. Mm -hmm. Rick already talked about this some. But the second half, I thought it really picked up. So what happened after uh, half? We made adjustments, like he said. Um, I didn't Like he said, I didn't think we played terrible in the first half. But second half, we did the thing with Hayden and LK, which really fixed our pass pro. And then counter Trey, we sh I should have been doing this a little bit earlier. But, I mean, they were lining up in, like, I don't know, a three technique, uh, which is, like, head up or inside shade of the tackle. So it's – when we're doing counter tray and the guard's pulling, it's tough for me to get there. We made an adjustment to that, which helped me get there. So with the tweaks we made, we really had a really, I would say, dominant second half up front. What what Jack's talking about on, on counter tray, sometimes on tray, you know, certainly the front side is, is of, of, of importance. We got to get movement on the front side. Um, but we also can't allow any kind of spillage from the back side. So Jack always peels on, on a gap scheme play. And so if he's peeling to a nose guard, a one technique, someone shaded, that's a pretty simple block. The guy's right there. You peel to him. If it's a two-eye inside the guard, that's fairly cut and dry. Now, as he gets into a two, which is head up on the guard, a three head outside, uh, outside um, that peel block has a lot of space. And as he's peeling, that guy tends to penetrate the backfield, get in the hip pocket of the pulling guard. That's what he's taught to do. Hey, get in, get in his hip pocket in that trapper and run down the line and run to the mesh point, essentially flat. And if we're not getting that block, the play is beat. So, and, and this isn't any, you know, like secret of us. 
Well, what you do is if the center's struggling, you ask for help with his backside tackle. So his backside tackle has to squeeze, and we call it a cat block, just center and tackle. Again, not nothing revolutionary. That tackle then has to squeeze down and just kind of double that guy a little bit and then work back out on his end. You know, we'd rather block the tackle than the end on the backside. The end's got further to go. So sometimes it's just seeing on film, you know, and I, I'm not the greatest guy of seeing things live. I felt like I've always struggled with that. Um, I have to really focus in, and it's hard to see all the gaps. So, and we don't have an end zone camera on the sideline. If we had that, um, and that's a thing that can happen, but we've struggled with Wi-Fi, and there's all kinds of things. I don't get into it, but we get into the <laughs> halftime and I see it clearly and I'm like, all right, yeah, just, you just got to ask for help. And, and, you know, and it's just, um, recognizing where you're getting hurt and that's really halftime football. And sometimes you don't have much to talk about, you know, but that was a game where it was like, all right, yeah, there's a couple things here. I think we can fix. And they're not, it's not uh, Vince Lombardi stuff. It's just points of emphasis and get better from there. Well, what's it like to be a coach or especially, especially the position coach where your group, uh, really picks up play after the half and really was the main reason the team won. What's it like when you well, I don't, the game? Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it like that. Like it was the main reason we won. I tell you, at halftime, if you feel like your group is struggling, you feel a lot of pressure. Like you don't want to feel like, because I've done it. I mean, I've done it probably more than I'd like to admit where I've went home that night and thought, the things I'm responsible for led to our loss. Like, it happens, um, especially if you coach a lot of things. And I coach a lot of things. Um, you know, I coach special teams. So that could happen at any moment. So that's difficult. And then, you know, yeah, you want to put your guys in, in a good spot. And you want to know that as a coach you did what you could do. You can't do everything. You can't do it for them. But you can give them good feedback, and that's your job. And, you know, yeah, when it goes well, you feel good. You feel, you know, you feel rewarded. You feel like – that you did your job for your guys. Cause that's really my, my, the only people I really have to answer to are in our room, our players, number one, then our, my fellow coaches. So yeah, I didn't like look at it as, Hey, we won the game. I don't think that's probably even accurate, but we just need to do our job. And when we do our job, and we've talked about that plenty of times, we're really talented people. Uh, you know, when you're snapping the ball to Tavian St. Clair and he's throwing, I mean, and our receivers, if we do our job, we're going to be successful. It's hard to stop. And now if you can get pressure on us and put him on his back, well, it's a lot easier to stop. Jack, what was it like for, for the players after that win? Was it the biggest win of, of the year when you look back? Yeah, I would say it's, it was the biggest win of the year because, I mean, that Shawnee one is up there and that Lincoln Heights one is up there. But, you know, it was just – it was the second game we – the third game we won in the CBC. And – The kids are getting a little bit of beef with, with Alder as well. Yeah. We don't have to get, like – like crazy with that but there's some personal stuff would it's, you say? it's annoying when you get beat three times in a row and especially getting beat how we got beat last year and you see all the instagram posts jack and thinks and they're that. our new rival typical like yeah that. i I, <laughs> I would say they're a rival <laughs> that's cool i mean the yeah. kids decide who the rival is i would old say jonathan alder is the team i dislike the most right now i i just don't like them and uh oh hey but learning stuff right on the show. Well, when you get when you get slaughtered, Urbana we didn't want to play us no more. Tips we had to find yeah, a rival. I mean, <laughs> Urbana, yeah. Urbana, Urbana Urbana ran. on us. Um, <laughs> I mean the counter ri- oh, counter yeah. county, county rivalries are still up there, but I just yeah, there's a little bit of yeah, I just don't like them that much. And Alder's been good. Part of that is you know your rival. Uh, generally, you don't want a rival that's bad. Adornat, adornat, yeah, so yeah. yeah, they beat us. So it, it you know I bet they'll take us a little more seriously next year. I would guess that's how it works. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so it was a good win. It felt good. Waffle House was banging. It was nice. Mm. It was a little rowdy in Waffle House. Friday night, you mean? 
Oh yeah, buddy. Put new, yeah. You guys, I found our new sponsor too. You guys ever been a post game Waffle House? I have not. No. Post game Waffle House. Post game Taco Bell. Yeah, there you go. That. I've done that before. I'm not <laughs> proud to admit that. But. All right. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, I want to ask you about one of your uh, teammates because his success ties into your success. Mm-hmm. Coach Reed talks about this a bunch, and that's Chris Fogan. And I'm, I'm guessing that Chris heard a lot about Cameron Jewell coming into the game. He was the league's leading rusher, and Cameron's a very good player. He had over 370 yards two weeks ago against Kenton Ridge. So, you know, he's really good. Was was Chris and and, uh, and, and his offensive line blockers, you, uh, excited for the challenge and maybe a chance to make a statement that Chris is the best running back in the CBC. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we were excited to, we were excited to go beat him. You know, for me, I didn't really care if Chris had three yards and a touchdown or what he had. As long as we beat them, that's what mattered to me. But pregame, you could definitely tell Chris was in the zone. I mean, he was ready to go. He wanted to make a statement. But so yeah. 176 yards rushing, three touchdown rushes. Now, one was a pass, but it was a lateral, so statistically that's a rush. Mm-hmm. And then on fourth down, he had uh, had a heck of a catch. We, we should talk to Coach about that. Chris is known for his uh, his, his running skills, which are elite, but his, his pass-catching skills to me are very, very strong. Yeah, and we've known that really since his freshman year. Um, you know, we ran a fair amount of empty last year trying to get him the ball that way. We'd, we'd throw him a – kind of a corner route quite a bit last year yeah he's now the only negative there is I mean you do as as good as he is as a receiver and he's good you do you do the defense a little bit of favor when you go empty um just because you know we're not gonna run Tavian a lot people know that we can run him but it's not it's not something we're gonna do a ton of so you know we're a little easier to scheme now down in distance when it's third and 10 and and you know you're midfield and they know you're throwing um it's a good time to go empty and then um, Chiefs did have a couple of turnovers. Still moved the ball a bunch. Yeah, and we haven't turned the ball over much this year. So, that, I mean, that's – yeah, it happens. I mean, that's – you know, that, especially when you're throwing the ball. It, they weren't fumbles, so um, not that that excuses it. But, you know, fumbles are less excusable than picks. Um, picks can happen, you know, for a variety of reasons. Fumbles are really never excusable. But, you know, it happens. You're going to throw the ball. You know, we're about to break, shatter school records for passing. I mean, you're going to have some picks in there. It's just – Move on. Play the next one. Anything you look back on last week where you think um, the team could have done better? I know that's the normal coach mindset. I thought the team played really, really well, especially after the half. And then the, the I thought the defense was excellent. But anything looking back where you're thinking, well, maybe we can do this a little better this week? I mean, we still get too many penalties. Um, you know, and that's, that's plagued us for a long time. That's not just this season. I mean, I feel like we're on the high end of penalties now. I feel like we're on the high end of bad calls at home. Um, and I'm not the only person that thinks that. There's there's a lot of people that think every single week we get questionable calls. Now, everybody, you know, I get that. We're we're all wired to think we're, you know, every call's a bad call against us. But I, I, I think I'm fair about it. And some of the calls are just pitiful. I mean, they're you and the film doesn't lie you can watch the film the offensive pass interference i mean what was it I, um offsides a uh, false start on matt mott when he moves his arm in his preset i mean those aren't real they're not real penalties um and then miss things against us uh, you know sully gets stepped on gets violently stepped on at the end of the game um it's but you know it is what it is you sit around and complain about that you'd be a loser i mean that's that's just life but um, we're on the road the next two weeks, so we'll get some better. <laughs> hopefully, get some better. Uh, well, officiating. Uh, I thought. See if you both agree. We'll get the coach and the player. The turning point in the game to me was 
Chiefs are up 14-7 third quarter. Harper Scott comes on a blitz. It's a strip sack recovered, I believe, by Zane, Zane Bailey. Zane Bailey. And then the Chiefs only had to go 14 yards, which they did. And then you take a two-score lead. To me, that play was the turning point. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's that's the moment it felt like, okay, we're in control. Um, yeah, great to see Zane make a play there. Zane's a guy that, you know, we've we've shuffled in there at guard and, and haven't quite. And I've said on here before that, you know, not quite sure who we want to be sometimes in the middle uh, beside Jack and um, hasn't always played as much as he would like and got an opportunity on defense with uh, Jay-Z out. We were without Jay-Z, our left tackle, last week. That was another big thing. We got some really quality snaps out of out of Parker Knox playing guard and tackle, and we got a ton of good snaps out of Al, Alex Caudill. Now, we know that Alex can do it, but he hasn't always been available to us. Now, some of that self-imposed, like I'm trying not to use him because he's so good at I mean, he's so good at linebacker. He is an all-state linebacker. Yes. I don't know who needs to hear that that's going to vote, but they need to vote for Alex Caudill at linebacker for all-state. I mean, he is had an incredible season. And um, so we try not to use him as you know any more than we have to. And we've been lucky. We've been in some games. We've been in control. And uh, so Zane got in there on defense, which is – really out of the blue. He hasn't played any defense. And he made some plays, and, and he's going to start this Friday night on the D-line. And um, oh, so, you know, it really makes us better. Honestly, if we could sit and trade people, we if you said, hey, let Zane play here so Jay-Z's better on offense, that's a good trade for all of us if he can do the job, and, and he did do the job. Jack, did you think that that strip sack and recovery was the turning point in the game? Oh, yeah, for sure, 100%. Uh, it was really nice to see Harper make that play, too. Harper's probably one of my guys, one of my best buds. I talked them to playing football, so I take, like, 30% credit for the win on Friday because I actually got that dude to play football in the seventh grade. I gave him grade. 22% credit. Okay. Yeah, well, I brought him a bunch of cookies was the method, How actually. How long ago was that when you talked to him? Seventh grade, got him. It was a... Uh, it took a lot of his mom was a real soccer guy girl she just pumped feed soccer to him and i was like gotta get off that train got him but yeah that was definitely the turning point for me and seeing zane make that play was real nice and yeah that was it was no doubt the turning point at elite speed for a linebacker harper well yeah and i think move. like two plays before that cam uh he was about to go to the sideline and looked like he was gonna make a decent run and harper chased him down and yeah harper's come on i mean yeah. he's a big you know he's He's a guy with a ton of talent, and he's he's definitely playing well at linebacker. You know, we're getting a lot of good play out of those front seven guys. Yeah. When the turnover was made, though, you go back out there on offense to center. Is there anything that's said right at that moment, like, you know, let's let's seize control of the game to the players? Well, yeah, that? it's um, yeah, Matt Mott screaming, "Don't blow it! Let's get in the end zone!" <laughs> don't blow it. That's a weird way to say it. Yeah, just like <laughs> don't mess it up. Come on, Matty. Yeah, put the pressure Matt, on his offense. Matt said, "Don't say mess it, like it up. Let's get just, it in the end zone." Let's just get in the end zone. Matt okay. likes to yell a little bit, but we're going back to what Rick said about uh, Alex Caudill. I, I, Don and I talk about uh, a lot of these things before and after games. Don, Don Hensley, and we think uh, there's probably some debate here, but we think after three games of CBC Kenton Trail play. Alex Caudill is the leading candidate for CBC Kenton Trail Defensive Player of the Year. He's the only candidate. <laughs> well, Darian Dixon from Shawnee, you said, was, was really hard, hard to block. 51? Yeah. There might be some linemen. How are they going to finish in the league? We're not going to finish very well. There you go. I know. Um, and who were the top couple three guys on that uh, Alder defense, by the way? Anybody that really um, the kid, the, the smaller guy in the middle gave us trouble. Was it 47? Yeah. His number? Um, he gave us some trouble. Um, the other kid gave us some trouble. Um, what number? I'm, I'm bad with this. I've already 50. moved on to Kenton. 50. 50. 50. Yeah, 50 I moved on to uh, 
Kent Ridge numbers. But yeah, no, they they did a nice job. They were they're good, solid kids. Um, there's a lot of good. Like I said, our league, there's a lot of good guys up front. That's not me saying advocating for Alex above anybody is not a slight to them. It's how good he's been on, you know, currently we're the number one team in the league. Now, you know, we go and lose one of these next two games or both of them, then that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. I don't see the film like you do, Rick. Alder, though, is 5-3 and three now, and they've had some big wins, but some of their losses have been fairly wide margins. They lost to the Chiefs by 20. One of those touchdowns was right towards the end. They lost to Bloom Carroll by 35. 7 and one Okay. Carroll seven and, and they one. lost to London by the score. I didn't. I'm not seeing any. Yeah, score. you know, and it, yeah, it ha- yeah. I mean, I don't think Alder's quite as good as the teams that have beat them. Us, Bloom Carroll, London, but you know, they're plenty dangerous. Um, just because, you know, yeah, it's. Um, I think it's hard for them to do it over the course of a whole game, but they can, they can put together some some good reps. Is there anything? I've never asked you guys this question. Is there anything good about going on the road? You're going to have to do it the next two weeks at Kenton Ridge, at London. Do maybe some teams I, play better prefer, on the road? Officials. I prefer coaching. I, I just, I, I hate the downtime of playing at home. I hate it. We have so much downtime after school, and on the road you don't have that because you're traveling. Um, I just personally, I struggle with my nerves uh, on Fridays to be busy. I, um, you know, I take a, a crew of coaches in my car. And I, I got jobs I got to do. I got to load up stuff. I got to unload stuff. I like that. It makes me, me, me personally. It has nothing to do with our kids, our football program. It's me personally. I prefer road games. Um, as much as I'm glad that we're going to host a couple playoff games, I hope, there's a part of me like get on get get on old yellow dog and head to Western Brown. Uh, I like that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. I loved it. I'm, I loved it. I'm good. I was a huge fan of that. Uh, now I get hours. it. For our community, I want us to be at home. For our kids, for our parents, for our families. Me personally, I like a road trip. And and it here's the other thing about the playoffs. And we'll you know we'll get there. Obviously, you know no matter how we do the next two games, we're in the playoffs. When you play at home in the playoffs, and we've done it, it just doesn't quite feel like the playoffs. When you get in a car and drive to what, Mount Oreb. You know you're in the playoffs. You're like this oh. is a playoff football <laughs> game because I don't know where I'm at. Yeah, that's it's Appalachian. So I just like that kind of. But uh, you know, what about for you as a player, is it? Do you do you maybe? I don't know if you have that strong yeah. passion, Tim. <laughs> but is there any anything that maybe helps being on the road? Um, I don't know. There is less downtime. I prefer to play at home. Uh, that's just I think most players do. But um, we've been some road dogs in my high school career. Um. We uh, last year we I think we only lost like two games on the road and we only won two games at home or and so you just gotta go there get there get locked in. Coach Brown does a really good job of when we get there starting to do our stuff, getting taped up and all that, and getting in the right mindset. It is fun to beat somebody at their place. It's that's really fun. Now lastly, guys, before we hit a break and get the Buffalo High School band here on Chief and Roll Call this week, let's talk about Kent Ridge, what you see in their team, Rick, and what it takes for the Chiefs to have success. I always got to take care of our business. I mean, they're you know they're a team that struggled on on paper. They're two and five, um, two and six. Two and six. Um, <laughs> you know they 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 run an odd front. Um, they're going to reduce those tackles um, in a way that's a little different for us. Um, they like to pinch those guys and let things spill out to their outside backers. So that's just a, a little different look. Nothing crazy, but um, not what we've seen the last few weeks. So we'll have to be on point in our run fits, uh, pass pro. It can it can lead to some um, pressure from the edge. Um, tackles can't get our faces crossed against those down tackles. Just need to execute. Um, you know when they have the football, we do what we've been doing. Um, you know their Kenton Ridge has kind of always since I've been here been a run heavier type program, and um, just rally the football and play good special teams and 
go down there on a business trip and, um, you know, move one step closer. Well, the Chiefs, I would think, on paper, uh, would be a big favorite. But the last couple meetings have been close. Last year was overtime. Oh, yeah. 21-20. And Chiefs two years won. ago. And two years ago was 26-20. That was the COVID season, but it was close. Jack, your thoughts on the Cougars and what, what it takes for the team to do well? Yeah, we just got to go. Uh, we can't go in there sleepwalking. Um, I hope we learned a lesson against the lake on what sleepwalking can do to you. They went in and scored the first possession. Um, any, they're not a terrible team, though. I mean, they're not they're not the worst team we'll ever see. Um, that number five is a pretty good player for them. They got, like, the third leading sack leader in yep. the league. So, I mean, it's not like they're just full of, you know, nobodies. They got some good players on there, so we have to come and play football. It's not like... We can't come in there with two hands tied behind our backs. Well, from what I remember about last year, I know roster doesn't give heights and weights, but last year I thought they were big. Yeah, they're always big. I don't think they don't seem as big this year, but they always are big. Like, huge. They've had tackles at times. I'm like 6'5", 270, like just big dudes. Coach, good luck this week. Appreciate it, Tips. Jack, good luck to you and the players. Thank you. Let's take a break. Come back and talk with the Fountain High School Band Band Director. Jeremy Carg is next on Chieftain Roll Call. This is Trey Daring at Eichholz Daring and Sanford Funeral Homes and Cremation Center. We are committed to providing professional, tailored funeral and cremation services at affordable pricing. We are part of a community of caring individuals, friends, and neighbors who consider it a privilege to serve you in your time of need. We are proud to be locally owned and operated. Our family serving your family since 1903. Go Chiefs! Foresight Insurance and Financial Services is a locally owned and operated financial services provider for the state of Ohio, focusing our efforts on serving the residents of Logan County and surrounding counties. We are located at 1653 U.S. 68 North Baffin. Foresight can help you with all your retirement needs. We specialize in assisting with pension options. We also offer business planning, charitable gifting strategies, as well as life and health insurance. Call today at 937-595-5002. Foresight Insurance and financial services in the business of planning life. Hello, this is Luke Varner from Easton Water Solutions. How is your water? Does your water need improved? Put my 23 years of experience to work for you. Give me a call today, Luke Varner, Easton Water Solutions, 592-8379. Welcome back to Chieftain Roll Call. I'm Bill Tipple. Our show is presented by Easton Water Solutions, and we shift from Belfont football to the Belfont High School Marching Band. Jeremy Carg is here. Jeremy is a Belfont alum. Longtime band director at Bell Fountain High School. Uh, Heather Johnson, also a Bell Fountain alum, and she uh, takes care of things at the middle school, and I will call her the assistant band director. They're both very key for what you see on Football Fridays. We'll have them both get a little bit closer to the microphone here on our show here at the WBCS studio. Jeremy, um, interesting halftime routine. I want to have you put it in your words on what it is that people are seeing and uh, listening to, and then what it takes to get ready for that, too. I know we're, here we are in October. This goes way back, months ago. So mm-hmm. how do you get ready for the halftime show we watch each week? Well, we start uh, the halftime show preparation actually at the end of the school year, uh, previous year. Uh, we have what we call the band marathon where we get together uh, and we, we have fun with the kids. We get the eighth graders involved. Uh, we we um, uh, start working on some show music and halftime music for the next year. We have our music arranged for us, so it kind of takes a little bit of time to get all the arrangements. But usually by that band marathon, we have one or two songs ready to go. Uh, This year's show is Fly Me to the Moon, um, kind of inspired by two really awesome things that happened in 1969. 
uh, the Apollo moon landing, uh, and I was born. So I wanted to make sure that I took, uh, you know. <laughs> that was your birth year. <laughs> it was my birth year, yeah. Right. So I thought, wow, you know, I can't play happy birthday to me on the field, but we can have a, a show for flying yeah. me to the moon. Uh, and anyways, that's in jo all joking aside, we, we kind of look for a show that, uh, is something that the audience would recognize and know for the football crowd, but that the uh, the judges uh, also would recognize from an artistic point of view. Um, we were just talking about this just a little bit ago, that uh, each band that the, the uh, community sees here on Friday nights or Saturday nights whenever they get a chance to go, some of them will play more um, modern songs, more rock and roll songs, kind of more crowd pleaser songs, so to speak. Uh, whereas others will play something with a little more uh, artistry maybe uh, to it. And we, we're trying to do a little bit of both. So sometimes it's uh, not easy to do, but uh, I, I think we picked a good show this year. And not me personally, but I think we've got a good show going on. The judges seem to like it, and uh, I think the kids like it, and you'll, you'll be talking to them later. We will. Peyton Hayduck and Allie Barker will be on Chieftain Roll Call here in a few moments. But uh, what are the songs in uh, the, 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 this year's show? Uh, the first one uh, is Moonlight Sonata uh, by Beethoven. It's a, it's a classical element, and it goes into Rocket Man by Elton John and Bernie Taupin. Uh, then we also have um, the Apollo 13 ballad, uh, which is just a very, very gorgeous piece of music from the movie Apollo 13. Uh, and then we have Fly Me to the Moon as the closer. Okay. All right. Heather Johnson is here as well. Probably had her as a student a few years I back. I did, yes. She's young compared to <laughs> us, I guess. But, uh, you know, what? what's her role and what has she brought to the band the last couple of years? Oh, well, she she her role is um, uh, to, to function right alongside me, I mean, we're a team. We're a good. I think we're a really great team, actually. Um, I I kind of look at it as uh, I, I'm a big picture kind of person, and she's a, a very detail oriented person. And so I think that kind of helps us be a good team. She uh, is in charge of the middle school bands, and she can tell you this on yeah. her own. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, we we really enjoy. I enjoy working with her quite a bit. Yes. So she c kind of was on her own at that the middle school building, mm -hmm. but then at the high school she's got a big role as Absolutely. well. So you know, yeah. if, if we're looking at a football Friday, that's what many of us watch, or even a band competition, a district competition. What does uh, what is Heather's work that comes into play on on Fridays? Well, you can ask her. <laughs> All right, Hi. Heather, welcome to the program. Thank you. So you know, let's learn more about what you do. We hear a lot about the band director, and who knows, someday you might be in that <laughs> that chair, but. Uh, you know, as the assistant band director, what do you do really in both buildings? First the middle school, that's mm -hmm. kind of your, your baby, and then what you do in the high school. Yeah, so I work mostly at the middle school. Um, that's where I primarily um, have a lot of impact with the kids. Um, and so I teach 6th, 7th, and 8th grade band um, and just kind of get them hopefully excited about music and um, hopefully that they want to join the high school band um, when they get to um, BHS. Um, and then at the high school level, um, I'm kind of a behind-the-scenes person that kind of is a catch-all for um, not only for Mr. Karg to help with literally anything that might come up, but also for the kids. Um, and it just helps to have um, a couple of adults there and so that they have um, people to kind of help them where they when they need. So what year is this for you for teaching at both ends of the school? So it's I kind of had a weird start to um, teaching. I graduated 
um, from Ohio State in 2020 in the middle of COVID. Um, and so right after that, I became just the assistant um, high school director with Mr. Karg. So this is my third year being the assistant high school director. And then um, I was a long-term sub for half of a year that year. And then last year was my first um, full year in this position. So this is my second full year at the middle school level and third at the high school. And what year did you graduate from Bell Fountain High? 2016. Okay, so you know, it, it is, if you look at the big picture, pretty pretty recently. Yeah. Um, what's it like to you know, watch these kids? Because you were in their roles, you know, six, seven years ago. Absolutely. So what's this like? This is, it's very nostalgic for me. And I think it makes me, it just like fills me with pride because I know exactly like, you know, we have some of the same traditions that um, we used to have. And, um, you know, when I graduated from here back in 2016, I really didn't think I wanted to be back here. I wanted to, you know, kind of go to, you know, Columbus or a bigger city. And then being back here has been amazing. And I can't imagine being in any other city because um, the city of Belfontland is just, it's awesome. And we have a great community here. And I just love being a teacher here. Well, Fountain's got a lot of band tradition. We'll hear from you first on Jeremy. Uh, it goes back, you know, decades. Why are the bands here uh, consistently strong? That's a great question. Um, I think it comes back to just the community of it. Um, we, of course, have really high music standards and marching standards, but we also emphasize, like, the familial aspect of being in the band. We talk about the band family all the time. Um, and just really taking care of each other, being kind to each other. And when you feel supported um, in a group like this, then you're going to want to continue to be in that group and encourage um, people that are coming up to be in that group as well. Jeremy, what how would you answer that with the I band's tradition? Yeah, I, I believe um, that consistency uh, in uh, – and, and this is – I'm not saying that it's me and Heather and whatever, but being consistent with having – the directors be the same over the years. I think it's helped uh, a lot. We had Joe Antrim here uh, as the high school band director. Larry Walker was the middle school band director and assistant high school band director for a number of years. And after they retired, um, uh, we had a, a good friend of mine, uh, Nick Pelfrey, came in for a couple of years. Um, and then after he left, uh, we we continued on with with myself and then Heather came along. But I think that consistency and knowing your traditions for the kids, not having a lot of big changes or upheaval keeps things constant. Uh, instead of making a change right away, you make it slowly over time. And I think the kids buy in and, and the, you know, they can talk to you about that here in a little bit. But I think that's been a, a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of the uh, reason that we've been able to keep numbers uh, up and quality up. Uh, now, COVID kind of hit us uh, pretty hard there a couple for a couple years, uh, and that's going to kind of that's going to kind of be stinging a little bit here as far as uh, size goes. Um, but that's going to come up here over the next couple years. We just had some really small classes because we weren't really able to function as a, a band yeah. uh, in the middle school or in the high school for those that year and a half, and um, so. Although we're going to have good quality, the numbers are going to be a little smaller. Right now, 93, 94? 92. 92 members, 92. okay. What's oh, I'm sorry, you're right, 93. 93, 93. that's what I told you. What's a good number to shoot for? Mm. And it might vary the, the era, but during COVID times, what's a good number to uh, shoot well, for? Well, I, 
I would think mid eighties to nineties again. You know where where we're at. Hopefully, we'll we'll be consistent, but maybe a little smaller. Um, but hopefully, the quality will remain the same. Uh, and I know it will because uh, you know that's what Heather and I and, and the kids are shooting for is quality. And, and eventually, these people will graduate over time. So right. four or five years. You know, you might deal with this for four or five years, but right. then after that. What's maybe a good number to shoot for? Would it be in the triple digits? Oh uh, yeah, I, I, we would love to have 105, 110. That mm-hmm. that's a pretty good number. We had um, one year we had 160, I think, when when Joe was here. It was a trip year, and that was a very, very large, very large group. There's exciting things you can do with that, but you can also do very exciting things with, uh, you know, any size group as long as you have good quality kids to work with and designers a couple items to talk about before we hit our, our final break and get Peyton and uh, Allie in uh, you've had district competitions mm-hmm. OMEA yes Ohio Music Education Association these are judged events uh, you've had two already you've got two yet this month how how has the band looked how have they fared we we've gotten twos uh, which is the second highest rating you can get uh, we we are very, I, I keep telling the kids this, and I, I think they're getting a little bit tired of hearing it, but I think they will tell you the same thing. We, we know we're close. It's kind of like uh, you're in the fourth quarter, you're, you know, third down, fourth and two on the goal line, and you just got to push it over, and that's kind of where we're at. Uh, we're working on details. We, we have a very, very challenging show this year. It's much more challenging than what we've had the last two years because of the uh, complicated nature of contests. You have to do something that keeps not only the audiences but the judge's interest for a full halftime, uh, ten-minute show. And in order to do that, they've seen a lot of marching bands. So you have to do something that's uh, different. You have to do something that's uh, att- uh, catches their attention, and it, it's difficult. The difficulty level is there, but. We are, we are competing at a good level, and we've got two more chances here in two weeks. We're going to do what we call a doubleheader, uh, where we go to Springfield Shawnee in the afternoon and then Tecumseh in the evening. And very, very hopeful that with another week and a half of practice, we can get that superior rating and go to state again. Now, you've been to Ottawa-Glandorf. You've yes. been to Versailles. You've had a couple of twos. You're close. You're very you're close. You're yeah, you're it's uh, one thing I will explain um, uh, and then if you have another question for Heather or whatever, um, you, you, you get an 80, an 80 points is the minimum you can get for a, a, a superior rating. We achieved a 77 at the first contest and a 77.5 at this contest. So what that tells us is it's not only a two, it's a very high two. It's almost to a one, but just not, not quite there to a one yet, just almost though. So on Saturday, the 22nd of this month, you'll be at Springfield Shawnee and at Tecumseh. We'll yes. keep our fingers crossed. Then if you make it to state, where and when is that? Uh, it would be in Piqua this year. University of Dayton is uh, going under uh, construction mm-hmm. right now. And it would either be the Sunday, uh, the 30th. It's whatever the last Sunday in October would be. 30th. 30th, okay. okay. The 30th or the following week, which would be November Seventh, I think. I yeah. Believe, yeah. So it would be one of those two days on Actually, the sixth. Yeah, the yeah, sixth. Six, okay. Yeah. All right. So it's not too far away. The competition Mm-mm. season. Right. All right. Let's take a final break. Going to have um, a couple of the girls come out. We'll have Peyton Hayduck and Allie Barker from the Well-Found Band join us. It's Chief and Roll Call. We'll come back with those uh, those folks right after this. Heather, you'll 
go out, you're going to stay in. Okay. And um, we'll have you guys bring over one of those blue chairs, probably the one without any arms. Is Heather down, or you want her to take her arm more? Or? She she could take off. I'm gonna get okay. a picture of the kids. Uh, uh, oh, okay. If you want a picture, just the kids. Okay. You're gonna stay on the show. All right. Ellie. Um, all right. You bet. We'll see you. <laughs> Bring a chair over. This way. Oh yeah. I gotta get by this. Well, I guess you can stay there. That's fine. You want me to do this microphone? No, you got. You guys will share this one. So you'll be right there. Well, 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 well. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Welcome back to Chieftain Roll Call. It's our final segment. We're featuring the Bopon High School Marching Band on this week's show. Jeremy Carg, band director, is with us. Also, a couple of his seniors. Jeremy, I want to have you talk about these uh, two young folks, um, what they do in the band, and the, the progression you've seen them make throughout high school. Absolutely. Well, I'll start with this young lady to my left here, uh, Allie Barker. Uh, Allie has been a saxophone player since fifth grade, right? That's been a long time. Uh, and she is uh, serving in the role as uh, saxophone section leader this year. Uh, she's she's uh, really an amazing, really amazing saxophone player, but really, really just uh, a really good person. And I'm saying these nice things about her because she's going to say nice things about me later, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not done yet, Jamie. Okay, yeah, I know. Also Peyton Hayduck. Uh, and then we have Peyton Hayduck. Uh, Peyton is another amazing young lady, a senior this year. Um, she started out as a percussionist, but her freshman year uh, moved over to playing mellophone, and then her next year, I think it was her freshman year, also started playing French horn. Sophomore. Uh, sophomore year, okay. And uh, she, she is just really, they both become amazing musicians, but particularly proud of Peyton because starting on uh, percussion, she, she was reading one set of notes and rhythms, and then all of a sudden, had all these other notes and rhythms to read and, and learn to play, and she's just done a magnificent job. She's serving as section leader this year for the Mellophones, too. Yep. So, yeah, it's a big transition for her. Let's talk to Allie. We're going to have you get a little closer to the mic. And Allie's been in the news a little bit. She was the homecoming queen last month, and she is also the senior of the month. That just came out this week. So congrats. Thank you. You've had a big senior year. What do you like about being a band? Um, my favorite thing of being in band is probably the friends that I've made in band. I think I've been in a lot of different activities in high school, and none of them have given me, like, the friends that I've gotten in band. I think everybody just cares a lot about music and just supporting each other no matter who they are. And I think everyone in band, too, is they have good values, and I think that's something that a lot of other activities can lack. And, yeah, just the friends that I've gotten throughout band is probably my favorite. To me, I, I was not in band. I watched it. I have interest in it. I've learned as I've, uh, as I've been here for many years uh, in the community. But it's, uh, it's kind of like football. I'm going to explain this. You put all this practice in for football. You only get to play on a Friday night, but you put weeks and months in, and you don't get too much time on the field. Band's the same way. You play for – you know, 10 or 12 minutes on Friday night, you practice throughout the week, you have band camps in the summer, you have band fundamentals, so uh, why do you do it? <laughs> um, <laughs> when you think about the laugh. time. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of time to put in, but honestly, it's it's like weirdly a relaxing time because it's kind of like 
like you have homework all night and you like your summers are so full with sports and so many activities that you get to band and it's like a comfort place place kind of and it's just like I don't know it's like a a break from reality mm -hmm. a little bit sometimes it can be time consuming and a little bit stressful but I think overall it's it's really like a fun place to go when you're stressed or bored or well, it definitely gives you a break from the, the rigors of some of the other academics, yeah. no, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, how do you think the band's done since the summer, you know, July, mm -hmm. August, to now? Have you seen progression? Um, I've seen a lot of progression personally. I think um, in some past years, we've had a lot of people just go through the motions and kind of fake their way through band. And I think this year, since we do have a smaller band, um, it kind of forces people to try a lot harder. And I think... I definitely think we've progressed a lot this year, and I think this year we've actually had practices throughout the summer every night. We had like three weeks full of practice, and they're long practices, and I think those have really helped us, and I, I think we've made a lot of progress this year so far. Band director Karg said the band is close to a one at these district competitions, you know, just a couple, three points away. What will it take to get a one and qualify for state? Yeah, I think um, our biggest thing right now is just um, focusing for those 10 minutes that we have to perform and really putting in as much effort as we can for those few like those few minutes because as much as we all love to have fun I think we need to show the judges there that we we have been working hard and I think we know we can do it but we need to show that to the judges too have you ever been to state I know it's been I a have. weird high school career yeah. for you with COVID yeah okay. we were me and Peyton were both we both went to state our freshman year so we've been once, but. Well, the other thing I want to ask you, Peyton's going to get some of the same questions, is, uh, and I'm going to ask Coach, or uh, Mr. Karg about this. Coach Karg is something Coach we might Karg. call him. <laughs> is you have a big trip coming up, mm -hmm. right, right on Christmas break, yes. to Orlando, Florida, mm -hmm. in the Cheez-It Bowl, which yes. that's a pretty cool name, I think. <laughs> but uh, uh, the band will get to play at a college football bowl game. It's, I think the trip is the 27th through the 31st. There's a fundraising effort. That's what I want to have Mr. Karg talk about in a moment. But, uh, you know, that's been a tradition of Elfound. For many years it was the trip to Philly, mm -hmm. a little different now going to Florida. But what, what's that mean to you and the other band members to get a chance to do this here in a couple months? Yeah, um, I know everybody's really excited for it. And as, as much as we all do have a passion for marching and for band, I think we're excited to go on a trip together and just like the bus rides will be fun. Um, and it's kind of all we talk about right now. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice too, because I was talking to Peyton earlier and it's like, usually at this point we would be close to the end of our season. And as a senior, that's like upsetting. But this year we have until December for marching. So it's kind of like, it's a nice addition to our year as a band. You know what your plans are after you graduate from Hell Fountain High? Um, yes, I'm attending a college. I'm looking at BG right now. I'm yeah. not for sure, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think I'm going to go into education. Oh, very good. Yeah. You're the saxophone leader? Yes. Section leader? Yes. How many saxophone players in your band, you know? Um, 11. 10 or 11, I think. Of altos. Now there's of altos, the yeah. altos, and then the, there's uh, seven saxophones. Peyton Hayduck is here. Mr. Carg introduced her a few minutes ago. She has transitioned from percussionist to mellophone player. Yes. In high school band here at Bell Fountain High. First, I'm sure there are some people watching this. They might not know what a mellophone is. <laughs> so I'm going to have you uh, tell us what 
what exactly that is. Well, the way that I describe it, because many people do ask what I play whenever I say that I'm in band, what I mostly describe it as is, to put it as simple as it is, it's a big trumpet. The bell is just slightly mm. bigger. It's like the same mouthpiece. It works the exact same way. It's just the notes are slightly lower pitched than a trumpet is. You know, Heller uh, already talked about this band. Is, it's a lot of hours. Or 10 minutes on Friday, if you look at it that way, if you look at your yeah. week. So for you, what... You know, what makes it rewarding? What makes it worth it? I mean, I feel like everyone has that passion for sports where it's like if you're in, if you play football, then making it to the playoffs, making it like possibly winning and stuff like that, like that's your, what you go for. Like us, it's just trying to get a one at state. Because when we get a one at any competition, the feeling that we all have inside of ourselves is so, just everyone starts screaming and yelling. It's just the pa like everyone shares like the excitement. And it just means a lot to everybody. Where have you seen the band grow since July to October? I sadly was not there for band fundamentals, so I didn't get mm -hmm. to know as many people as I did. But I learned a lot about many people at band camp. And so what I've learned is just there have been a lot of instrument changes this year from students that played different instruments in the past. And they've all... They're all, like, professionals now. And the freshmen, surprisingly, have done really well listening and tr putting in effort and trying. And I feel like that we, as a band from last year to this year, we're just as good and if not even better. We're watching Cheech and Roll Call Peyton Hayduck with us this week, talking about the Belfont High School marching band. The band has been close to punching that ticket to state. Yeah. You know, a couple of high twos, a couple three points away from a one. What will it take uh, the weekend of October 22nd to get that one and move on to state? I'm going to have to agree with Allie on this one, and it's just that effort that we put in for those 10 minutes is going to have a lot to do with it. And I, every, as long as everyone is trying their hardest, I, it'll, we'll get it easily. What do you think about this trip to Orlando, Florida for Christmas break? It's definitely exciting. I agree with Allie again, because we were talking about this earlier, about how it is definitely an extension to our senior season. It has been a lot, because I feel like we have, we learned the show, then we had homecoming week immediately after. So we haven't had like much time in between stuff. So I feel like that it's going to be nice to have that good month at least to learn the show, because if we qualify for state, when we qualify for state, <laughs> we're going to have a solid month or so in between learning like finishing up like that show and then learning the new show for Orlando. So it's going to be nice to have something new occurring rather than just leaving the show behind and having the marching season over. And what do you want to do after you graduate? I'm wanting to attend University of Cincinnati and then major in music education. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. We got a couple <laughs> teachers on the show tonight. We're in good hands. We need, we need more, more teachers. Jeremy, I'll have you slide back in here, talk about the band fundraiser. I know this was something that was in the news a, a couple weeks ago, but you know to go or, to go to Orlando, you need the funds for it. Exactly, ninety three yeah. kids, and you know some some different adults will help out right. too. How much is it per student to go to the Cheese It Bowl, and then how can folks uh, still help out? Sure, um, it is uh, the final cost ended up being twelve hundred and sixty six dollars for students. Uh, we had some fuel surcharge. I mean, we all know the fuels yeah, going up true. and all this whatnot. There were a few surcharges there at the end that kind of bumped the price up a little bit, but $1,266 is the uh, final cost for students. Uh, and if they would like, if people would like to help, uh, they can Venmo the Music Boosters mm -hmm. at BHS Music Boosters. 
and there is a logo of our chieftain's head on it. Uh, if if they're if they don't want to do it electronically, they can uh, either do cash or a uh, check made out to DHS Music Boosters uh, for any amount. Uh, no amount is too and seriously, no amount is too small or too large uh, to help out these kids. Uh, and they can just dr uh, either drop it in the mail uh, here at the high school, care of Jeremy Card. Uh, 555 East Lake Avenue in Bell Fountain, or they can drop it off in the office, and they'll make sure that I get it. How many people will go on this trip? Right? There's 107 altogether with students and adults. And you leave December 27th? Is yes. that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah, get back the 31st. 31st. Mm -hmm. Cheese Bowl is what, the 29th? I uh, yes, it's I believe Thursday the 29th is what December. it is. December. Yes. Yeah. Ever, has the band ever been to Florida? Um, not that I'm aware of, no. Uh, and the reason, the reason being is we, we have enjoyed a great tradition for many years going to the Philadelphia Parade. Uh -huh. uh, and the problem was, was when we were making plans, even last year, COVID restrictions were still heavily in place in the, on the East Coast. And my fear was uh, that we were going to, if, if it reared its ugly head again, we were going to be in an issue where we would have students that might not be able to get into places to eat or, you know, to the things that we were going to. And I didn't want to do that. So I thought long and hard about something else we could do. And um, a bowl game was the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, we did the Peach Bowl when I was at Indian Lake in the year in 2000. Uh, and it was really enjoyable for those kids. And I, I thought, well, we could do something similar. And um, so it's going to be warm. We're going to be swimming in December and playing in a halftime show for a college bowl. So we're looking forward to it. That is, that is really, really cool. Jeremy, mm -hmm. thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having thanks us. Thanks to Allie Barker, Peyton Hayduck, a couple of the seniors of the Bell Fountain High School Marching Band. Also thanks to our other guests earlier on the show on Chieftain Roll Call, which is presented by Eastern Water Solutions. Rick Reed was in earlier along with Jack Barner talking Bell Fountain football. Our show is done each week in the WBCS studio. We thank you for watching as we spotlight Bell Fountain student organizations and some of the athletic programs as well. For all of our guests, I'm Bill Tipple saying so long.